episode one of We Gotta Talk About. Okay, so this week we gotta talk about white guilt and social media activism. This is Maya. I'm gonna be talking about social media. And this is Caitlin. I'm gonna be discussing white guilt based on some experiences I've had fairly recently that is gonna be on brand for this episode. Very on brand. And we hope you guys enjoy what we have to say today. Yeah. Um, well, first things first, how are you doing? Because I haven't really, we've kind of like texted a little bit, but how are you feeling? Um, I feel good. Um, I took a little (laughs) 29 hour vacation trip, if you would call it, to Napa, which was unnerving and exciting all at the same time. We kind of touched base on that a little bit, just in regards to just how people are moving and grooving outside and just all the precautions I was trying to take and like me and my two other friends are trying to take. But besides that, I mean, you know, I don't think we've seen a murder by police in like 48 hours, 72 hours. So there is a positive. Uh, well, but, not that we know of. <laughs> right. Well, actually, I think they just found the remains of that missing soldier in Fort Hood. You know what? I yeah. I saw, I read earlier that they did find her remains. But then I read something else that said they found like three other bodies mm-hmm. that weren't actually identified as her. So they're yeah, not sure. Maybe- Right, well, leading up to, like, as they were finding, looking for her, they came across other bodies. So oh Fort Hood's just got some sketchy stuff going on. I, it's, but yeah, I mean, that's how I am. I'm fine, because, you know, actually, I'm a little, I don't know. You know, I've been, you guys, my Twitter's been blowing up for the last 24 hours in regards to the topic we're going to discuss today also. So that's just, like, I'm tired. I feel like I've just been explaining yeah. myself over and over to I human know. beings. While it's all been definitely relatively civil, I just feel like I'm tired. (laughs) It's just like, yeah, I mean, it's just exhausting because you don't know these people. Like, it's on social media. You're obviously not going to have a productive conversation. But then it's, like, emotionally draining even just seeing people, like, randomly attacking you because they don't know you. And, like, the same courtesy that you have and, like, knowledge that you have that you don't know them, they don't really feel the same way. So it's kind of weird. It is what it is. You know, this is the way the way it is, and we have to it navigate is. it the best we can. I know. Um, but what about you? How are you doing before we get into the nitty-gritty? Um, I'm good. Kind of, yeah. I've, I've honestly been taking a break from social media. I literally go on there to post about, like, mutual aid funds and for people to, like, donate because, like I was telling you literally, like, five minutes ago, um, all of the mutual aid organizations that, like, I know of or, like, volunteer with or anything like that, they are basically like running out of funds because like pride's over like protests haven't died down everywhere but they've like kind of the coverage of them has died down a little bit so i feel like yeah yeah. so i just you know i feel like a lot of people are we're getting into the phase where we're gonna have to start reminding people that these things still matter basically so i'm just trying to like stay off for a little while until it gets to the point where like i really have to go back and like be really aggressive on social media right. again and just be like what's up guys i want to put this hey on like mind. we're still here and alive and also Every dying hour. though <laughs> right there are things still happening in this world even though your little covid bubble went back to the way it was after mm-hmm. this last month okay but i want to ask a like fun little question for you just to ground us and so we aren't so like stressed out so i'm like in a I'm in a few different book clubs, and Mm -hmm. one of them, we're reading All About Love by Bell Hooks. Okay. 
And that book is beautiful. And, you know, I'm a Cancer Sun, so I'm like all up in my feels all the time. So I really like it. <laughs> and I asked this question at the beginning of my book club yesterday. So it's it's a question from Twitter. <laughs> it says, you meet your 15 year old self. You are allowed to say three words. What do you say? Holy moly. 15 year old self? Mm-hmm. You can only what say three I, words. What was I doing at 15? Sophomore in high school. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. You put me on the spot there. Okay, talk about <laughs> yours while I think about mine. How about that? Okay. Um, I would say pro- probably, like, self-care matters just because... Interesting. Okay. That wasn't really a thing back then, and it wasn't anything I really knew about. And also, I'm very big on self-care now, but, like, I just imagine how different my headspace would be if I had started a lot earlier and, like, how much more I would have accomplished in college if I had maybe, like, taken care of myself a little bit better when I was a little bit younger. Okay. Instead of taking care of everyone else all the time. No, I completely understand that. It makes total (laughs) sense. I love that you said that. Self-care matters. Okay. Um, mine is prioritize your goals. Oh, I like that. That I think, I think teenage me was prioritizing her goals, but not for the like long run, not for like longevity's purpose, more of just for like that moment of just high school and Mm -hmm. just like, you know, I wasn't really thinking about short term versus long term. Yeah. I wasn't thinking about life after like I knew life of life in college was coming up I knew that was something that I was about to embrace but I don't think I really thought about what that meant and what that meant for me to do while in college in order to have the goals that I had always set up for myself Mm -hmm. so yeah I think that's definitely it would have just been a prioritize them like don't let them just get put to the back burner I think I definitely did that as an adult I agree I have a really hard time setting goals for myself actually yeah um because I'm a big like ideas versus um implementing kind of person like I I come up with a lot of ideas and they're really good ideas but unless I'm really really into it and have like some sort of support in place I Mm -hmm. will not follow through okay and it's been always like a problem that I have so I like that one um no I can understand that I call myself like like perpetual procrastinator like I don't know why I put things off until like the very last second last shot going up will it won't it going kind of thing I don't know why I continue to put myself through that stress and like will she won't she but you know I think uh, I think a lot of people do that and until you really like find something that um you connect with and something that you really care about and also like take yourself very seriously then you start to kind of be like, okay, if I take myself seriously, I have to at least get these things that I care about and make sure that those things get done, right? I'm here for that. I love that question. I love that. That's that's definitely something good. Yeah. I I feel like a lot of people don't do like affirmations or like think that they're cheesy. Oh no, I totally don't. And I don't think they're cheesy. I just don't know why. I just don't do them. It's like uncomfortable to to begin with. I think. Wait, I can hear you. Oh, I just think it's a little uncomfortable for some people if they've never done it before. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, I get that. I mean, if you're, especially if you're not comfortable, even like, excuse me, like, even if you're not comfortable talking to yourself, like, I don't know, I talk out loud all the time. Yeah, me too. You know, so for me, that's like not a big deal for me, but I completely understand why that would be for other people. I mean, you know, some things are just really awkward, I guess. Yeah. 
Oh, well. Even though we're like, whatever, we can do it. But I'm going to take that with me, though. I'm going to, like, write down affirmations and be like, all right, let's actually apply that to our day-to-day lifestyle mm-hmm. and see how we feel about yeah. that. I even, like, sometimes I'll just get in front of the mirror and, like, if I look cute or, like, my hair looks good, I'll be like, oh, you look good. And it makes you me feel to. a little better. Yes. I definitely do little things like that for sure. <laughs> but they need, I need mine to be, like, a little more substance to them. Yeah. I think that'll go a long way in the long run. Yeah, but if you start out with, like, kind of just, oh, like, like the look good, feel good kind of stuff. Okay. And just say, like, okay, like, you're looking good. Or, like, fix a strand of hair and be like, okay, my hair looks great. Mm-hmm. Ready to go. Put some lip gloss on. I don't know. Like, little superficial things will lead to kind of, like, the more in-depth stuff, maybe. Okay. I feel it. You could try it. We'll try it. Okay. We'll try it and we'll report back to you guys. We'll let you know how my <laughs> progress is with my mental physical we'll check in every week we'll do it all right you guys so we're gonna get into today's topics for you um like maya said earlier um white guilt is something that we want to touch base on um just to give you guys a little background story of why we're choosing to discuss white guilt especially on episode one it might seem a little like in your face and like oh dang okay that's a topic where and a lot of people i realize don't necessarily know what white guilt is So we're going to break it down just a little bit um, and kind of go from there and just we're just going to dissect it a little bit and kind of explain to you why it's necessary to talk about it and why it's not our job. And when I say our, I mean black people's job to eradicate Mm -hmm. the overwhelming size of white guilt that is blanketing this country right now. But white guilt, in hindsight, is basically when you are a white person that feels guilty for what has happened in the past but you claim you don't know what to do about it in order to make it better and you don't really know what to do or what direction to go into making things better Mm -hmm. so you're kind of like that idol like yeah i'm aware something's going on and i feel really guilty about it but i also don't really know how to make the situation better yeah and then it branches out to other areas too like white guilt's kind of like this really I don't know. Do you want to touch on it, Maya? It's an of like your phenomenon, I think. Yeah. Um. So, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever watched. Have you ever watched Broad City? No. Okay. So there are two like white passing Jewish women on the show, and okay. one of them is very like Alana is very like progressive, forward thinking. She's queer, so she's just like she understands a lot of things, and also like catches herself a lot of time doing things because of okay. her privilege. But it's really funny because, like, on the show, she'll sing, like, this little song every time she catches herself um, doing something and then feeling bad about doing it and acknowledging the behavior. And she'll sing, like, white guilt. And it's really funny. So that's always, like, my first, like, when you said white guilt, I was, like, I just, like, sing the song in my head. Think about that character. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, it's interesting because I don't – I grew up in a really white area, but I have, like – one really close friend who's a hundred percent white so one of my close friends is half filipino and half white and so she's like the next closest thing um but he's kind of the only one that's like white white like grew up with very white customs and like his family comes from money and so he's not a bad person and he's also gay so he does have a little bit of like kind of a struggle in some of those areas just Mm -hmm. you know as as the gays do every once in a while but like like i said to you on twitter yesterday like cis white gays are still white men 
and still pass as white men and very much like carry the privilege of being that. And so when we first started like talking to him about this issue, like I actually texted him a while ago. Um, I think even before Ahmaud Aubrey was killed, I, okay. I just felt like there was a shift and like I had been doing this work for so long and I just didn't feel like a lot of my friends from back home in San Diego were really on the same page as me. And so I kind of called them out and I was like, why don't you talk to me about this? Because I know I'm your only friend of color. I know I'm the only brown person in your life that you care about. So of all people for you to talk to, like, it should be me. And yet we've never had these convos. Okay. So mm-hmm. that's when I, like, first encountered firsthand, like, the white guilt of a friend of mine being mm-hmm. like, I feel really bad that I've never talked to you. But because other people have kind of, like, put me in my place and said it's not my place to speak on this, therefore I haven't talked to you. And I'm like, but we're basically family, so... It doesn't really make any sense. Like, they basically have to care about a specific person or, like, have a specific person in mind in order to care about the issues that we all are fighting for. Right. Which I'll just never understand because I'm I'm a very empathetic person. Like, that's just how I was born. Um, And Mm -hmm. not everybody has that. And you can't really teach empathy to people. So the easiest thing to do is kind of, like have that conversation in your inner circles because otherwise like white guilt is just going to continue to be white guilt instead of being like white allyship which it should be right and so you guys the reason why we're diving into this is because there's um there's a guy named emmanuel ocho and he is a formal nfl football player and he is now working for espn as an analyst for the nfl and i believe college football still i'm actually not quite sure about that um but he's put out a pretty popular I would say it's definitely gone viral um, YouTube series and it's entitled um, uncomfortable conversations with a black man Um, and before I sent out the series of tweets I sent out about his episode number four um, I didn't watch episodes two and three I did watch his first episode where he was explaining the premise of the show and for those of you that don't know really quickly the premise of his show was supposed to be a place for white people to ask the questions that they would never feel comfortable asking in a public forum, essentially. Like he's he's offering a space for white people to have the uncomfortable talks in an, an, in an arena apparently where, you know, it's comfortable to have these uncomfortable talks. Which, oh, I didn't realize that that was like the premise of the show, I guess, when you had sent it to me. Right. And I didn't either because people, some people had called me out and they were like, the premise of the show is to break down, you know, why white people don't understand certain things. Okay. That's very and generous. He's okay. Right. So, and an a issue I had with this is his episode number four specifically honed in on three questions he claims were the majority of the emails he's getting from white people. These questions were, um, why don't we talk about reverse racism? Like, why can't we talk about it? The second question was, (laughs) and the second question was, why don't we talk about the fact that black families are typically single parent families? And because of that, the like trials and tribulations that come with that in itself. And then the third question was, um about cultural appropriation in regards to hairstyles 
Can I play, like, just the beginning of this clip so that people can hear, like, a little yes. bit? Okay. I'm just going to play, like, the first. Like the couple of minutes. Welcome to another episode of Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man. I've read your emails. I've heard you. So I'm going to start this episode a little bit different by reading an email that gave me hope, changed my life, and I promise it'll do the same for you. Lynn wrote, Dear Emmanuel, I grew up in the 1940s. My family were good people who were unconsciously racist. Negro was a term we used. Racism, like religion, was drummed into me. It's hard every day to choose not to judge, but I'm listening. I'm 73, and I'm still learning. Don't give up on people like me. I'm awake now and determined to wake others up. Bless you, my brother and my son. Well, Lynn, I won't give up on you. And that's why I'm back here in our safe space to have another uncomfortable conversation. Okay, so that's just, like, the beginning of it. Um, And I watched, like, the first part of it, and I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and I just, I just, I watched it, and I just grew, like, increasingly upset as each topic was being talked about. I didn't like his answers because I didn't really think they were very factual. Excuse me. Um, I thought he kind of related to slavery too much um, in regards to, I mean, he did touch on reverse racism and I I did appreciate his answer for reverse racism. I will give him that. I got upset at the single family topic because he kind of related it to like, it's not that black people aren't capable of commitment and love and like wanting that family environment. It's the fact that, you know, marriage for blacks wasn't even allowed until five generations prior. And like, because of that, you know, because of dealing with, you know, slave owners, you know, breaking up the family home themselves, you know, they did what they wanted with the women and the men were sent to work and sent other plantations and, Back in the day, you know, you could only see your kids on certain days of the week if your master allowed it. So he was using those details to form his answer. And for me personally, I believe the answer is the broader scheme of things of what we're fighting for today, like murder by police, like gang on gang crime, like the crack epidemic, like the bond system, like the prison system. Like there's so many Mm -hmm. other things that are affecting black households on a daily basis as to why there's one parent in the home. And I just felt like his answer didn't touch on that enough. I feel like he gave a very short, generic like viewpoint of that topic. And then when he went to talk about, you know, hair for cultural appropriation, I'm on the fence about cultural appropriation for hair because I don't know. I've had white friends braid their hair and it's never bothered me per se. Hmm. My issue with hairstyles and appropriation is the white women wearing wigs and weaves and acting like it's some like great revolutionary, like these, you know, hair extensions were so different growing up for me between white women and black women. Like Mm -hmm. white women would never even think about putting a full weave in their head. You know what I'm saying? White women would never really think about wearing wigs on the daily like that unless you lived a lifestyle where wigs were a part of your lifestyle. Whereas black women, that's all they really know. Like if you don't have quote unquote good manageable hair, 
you're going to resort to wigs and weaves and protective hairstyles in order to get by. Because just maintaining your hair as a black woman in general is just a process in itself. Mm -hmm. I have to mentally and physically prepare myself for the two to three hours it's going to take for me to prepare my head. And then I have to rinse and repeat and do it all over again every other week. Like, it's a different process for women who don't have black hair in their DNA. And that's just the fact. And I just felt like his answer was still, again, just very general and like not. And like I said, I don't I don't know. I'm on the fence about cultural appropriation. I know you have a viewpoint about it with hairstyles. But like, you know, like I said, I have friends who braided their hair. Doesn't necessarily bother me. Whatever. You want to get your hair braided. Typically women who do it, who aren't used to it, never really do it again because they can't handle the pain and the pull and all it's that just, stuff. It's not for their hair. It's not it's for not their hair. Protective styles are protective styles for a reason if yes, your and hair doesn't need to be protected that's gonna actually ruin your hair right and they don't know that and while they want to you know dip their foot in the pool and look a certain way <clears throat> or just see themselves you know and that's and i guess for me maybe that's just me being a petty person because when you said that i think deep down i was kind of like yeah but ruin your hair trying to rock a hairstyle that isn't meant for you yeah let them. you know which is kind of rude but whatever I'm on the fence about a few topics and related to black culture of just like, you know, who's allowed to do what and what is considered full appropriation. Cause some things genuinely don't offend me, but some mm -hmm. things really offend my brothers and sisters in the black community. So I also have to acknowledge like, you know, we're not all always going to feel the same way about these areas, but basically you guys, besides describing that video, the whole point of the white guilt topic today was that I put out a series of tweets, basically asking Emmanuel Ocho, what the point of this video was supposed to be because I didn't feel like the point was getting reached at all. And all I saw was that a bunch of his white colleagues and white people like, oh my gosh, I love this video series so much. It helps me so much. And I'm like, this is helping you? Like, this is helping you what? Realize why we don't talk about these three topics and get a eight minute video on three topics. And like, now you're, now you just know, you don't know. You don't know the experience. You don't know the actual real answers because this wasn't even a normal length classroom, you know, session that we would all take. It was literally an eight minute video. Yeah. And then he was retweeting people, you know, praising him for it, but it was all these white people who were like thanking him for his immense work and effort and like putting this out there. And it just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And I wasn't rude. I definitely started out my tweets of like, I've watched you since you worked with the Cowboys. I love your career, I respect your path. Like I always will wish you success but I need answers on why this conversation went this way. And I got really upset, Maya, at the fact that he claimed grown adult white people that their three main topics of discussion they were bringing to his attention was cultural appropriation because of hairstyles, their uncertainty at the stability of single family black homes and its contribution to the, why, the reason why our lifestyles are what they are. Mm -hmm. And why can't we talk about black people being racist against white people? Like, and I, and I said in my tweets, the trigger word for a lot of people, I said, these are elementary topics yeah, at best. People did not like that. People did not like that. And, and we're going to talk about the response I got real quick, folks, before we dive into the next topic, because the response was people trying to engage and wonder, genuinely wondering why I felt the way I felt. I didn't mm -hmm. feel like people weren't interested in my perspective. They kind of just wanted me to explain why I was sitting here sending off seven tweets in a row about a topic. And I answered everyone. I was very much a look. Which I feel honestly, like he's. You probably shouldn't have. <laughs> I probably shouldn't have. 
But you know what, though? I just felt obligated to, like, prove my point. I didn't want to mm -hmm. be seen as, like, the angry black woman in the comments who was like, what was me? This is stupid. And all of you people who agree with this are dumb as hell. Because that wasn't the point I was trying to bring across. My point was just like, dude, this is like an ounce of what the actual problem actually is yeah. and the type of topics we should be discussing. Mm -hmm. Basically, after all of it, the consensus I got from the crowd was that there are lots of white people in this country who genuinely have no idea what the hell's actually been going on in this country. That there are so many people that live in rural areas or areas where literally no person of color is ever around them. It's just communities of white people who've never had any interactions with anyone who did not have white skin. And these are the people that don't know how to ask the questions and have these conversations because one, there's no one in their community to talk to about it. So they're thankful that this black man is like offering his services mm -hmm. in a space to have these conversations. I'll give him a point for that. And, and that kept getting thrown back at me was like, even if you think these topics are elementary and yes, we're agreeing with you that they really are, they're necessary to start the conversation because so many white people apparently don't know how to start the conversation. To me, it's mind blowing because I feel like these are just like common decency, like basic rights we're discussing on like how yeah. you should ask questions or like how you should open your dialogue or just how you should feel about black people in general. But I don't know, I, I'm still upset at the fact that we have to be responsible to like pat your back and make you feel okay about why you don't understand what you don't understand. I'm it's having coddling, a really hard honestly. time grasping that concept. Why is it our responsibility? We're already trying to work on our own stuff within our own community. Now I have to like take time out of my day to explain to you these, these basic concepts, this common sense. In my mind, it's common sense. And I know the saying now is that common sense isn't common. And it's I get not. that. But I also hate the phrase ignorance is a bliss because I'm like ignorance equals stupidity and the lack of action to just go find something out yourself. Like mm -hmm. I'm so over the ignorance is bliss viewpoint. We throw out problems and then we just don't do anything else about it. And so that's why we're talking about white guilt because it's okay for you as a white person to feel badly knowing that the people who brought your family here, probably were involved in some really crappy things to they a lot of people, were. you know, like, and, and the thing is, is should you feel guilty? Yes. But in feeling guilty, you also need to do something about it. And in doing something about it, that means actually becoming a white ally, understanding what that means, and then following through on physical steps that need mm -hmm. to be taken in order to call yourself an ally. And we're gonna talk about allyship in another episode. We're not gonna get into it today because that is genuinely a whole nother topic yeah. in itself. Maya's gonna have a lot of great stuff to throw out you guys about allyship and what that really means. But that's the whole point is white guilt. I understand why white people feel bad and I understand why they feel like they don't know what to do or there's nothing they can do because they're just one person. But that's like the furthest thing from the truth. There have been people, What we've been dealing with this now, <clears throat> what would you say? We're almost coming up on two months of like active civil rights movement protesting yeah. and like rioting and just the nation kind of having its eyes on this problem. And what would you say the percentage of your Instagram feed is still talking about the issues? Um, I, I think I'm an exception because I've curated my social media. You have. 
you have specifically Instagram because I have really bad anxiety and so like most of what I follow isn't even people that I know it's actually like organizations okay that's right so I'm not the so I'll answer that one <laughs> yeah because I I haven't I've I followed a couple people but I definitely have not gone on the track that Maya has um I would say a solid gosh I don't know I want to say 20 percent, and that sounds like a high number okay. honestly of people who are still, and and maybe that's accurate. I have probably about a thousand followers mm-hmm. on Instagram. So. I don't really know who's very active. I feel like I see the same things from the same like one hundred to two hundred people. In all honesty, so but that's why also I feel the like algorithm to your career. right, yeah. But like overall, I mean, everyone's back to you know posting about their small businesses, their personal businesses, you know, whatever product they're selling you. Um, all these trips everybody's taking with their 10, 20 friends, you know, like people are not shy to let you know that they don't give a damn about social distancing right now. Mm -hmm. That's what my Instagram feed looks like. You know, it's different when it's one, two of your friends. It's a small group of you going to have a picnic and like kicking it because you haven't seen each other in a while. Or you are going to a place that's open and you're actually socially distancing there. There's so many people who have just thrown that completely out the window because they just don't care anymore. And that's what my Instagram feed is basically Damn. consumed of now. Like, I feel guilty every time I post a picture that's not related to the cause. But then I tell myself, you know what? I am a part of the cause. Your I'm existence still... is the cause. Right. And it's like, I'm also educating people at the same time. So I had to get past that personal endeavor myself. But I remember I told Maya last time we talked, it took me three weeks to respond to people when I posted my video the weekend before Memorial Day. And that video was literally about my black experience and why it's disheartening to see so many people not care about the cause. Because if I was impo- if I'm a black person in your life, that should be enough for you to want to like do the right thing and mm-hmm. actually talk about the issues and have the hard conversations and reach out to people and like figure out what you can do for the cause. And it was basically like if you have black people in your life that you care about, you need to step up and fight for them. Because honestly, I could give a damn if there's a genocide against white people tomorrow because what have you done for me lately? That's how people are going to literally feel in regards to your friendships and like who you choose to call, you know, a follower, quote unquote, or friend on social media. Mm. But anyway, back to the whole thing was just about, it took me three weeks to respond to people about a video about my experience. Imagine the magnitude of energy and time it takes to explain to every single white person who doesn't get it why they should get it. Like, and I've responded care. to a lot of people and I'm like, Google has been an option for you for how many years? Do you know how many books are written about white allyship, about prejudice and bias and racism so that people can understand what is actually happening in this country for the last, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 years, new Jim Crow, all of that stuff. And a lot of responses I got on Twitter were like, well, I didn't have access to that. That's why I'm thankful for this. And it was people coming out who were willingly admitting on the internet that they were willfully ignorant and had no idea about the actual state of affairs to people who don't have white skin. <laughs> I just I just have one comment on that. Okay. I I also want to point out that not everybody has access to social media and not everybody has access to the internet. However, if we actually prioritized the literature of people of color, and made it a point to say, read this book because this is important instead of only giving that space to white people, then people would have actually known about all of this literature a long time ago. Like imagine what it would be like in high school if all these schools in the South gave their students the new Jim Crow 
and made them read that before they went off to their colleges with, you know, all these founders who were slave owners with their Confederate statues all over named for some Confederate general who we always see on the internet having their fraternity sorority parties with themes that are so out of touch and so mm -hmm. offensive. Like how many instances would have probably been saved if like you said, certain literature is prioritized. Like it's not enough to read Huckleberry Finn. Like, are you kidding me? That that doesn't even scrape the surface. That just makes it even more like prevalent of what, like To Kill a exactly. Mockingbird is one of my favorite books, but all it did was just show you a white savior who understood that a black man's life was innocent and gave him all the credit and his kids for it of, you know, it wasn't about the facts. It was about white people coming in to save white the day with the facts. Again, white guilt. Right. And, you know, it's just, I don't know. And so that's why we're, you know, just talking about this a little bit with white guilt. Because again, I want to tell you guys, it's okay to feel guilty, but you got to do something about that guilt. Mm -hmm. You can't just feel guilty and then just like turn the page and it's another day and you live in your bubble. Yeah. Because that's the privilege you're afforded because you're white. While me and my friends and everyone else who gives a damn has to sit here day after day, like using our breath to get you guys to realize why these issues are important and show you the resources and put the petitions in your face and show you what businesses to buy from. And like, y'all still all, aren't doing shit. It's like... Uh, and, you know, it just and and so that's why I responded on Twitter and made my tweets because I was like, I'm tired of the hand holding and coddling. Mm -hmm. And when I said that, a lot of people understood exactly what I meant. A lot of people were like, look, we can never understand what it's like being you. And we don't know all the things you're doing in your own community. But all we know is that we're advocating for the series because we genuinely don't know how else to address these things. So like, please give us the space. It's the people and I, that and, don't have black people to talk to about those things to begin with. And they, and people admitted that, like I really braced myself for World War Three on Twitter of like people <laughs> just like, oh my gosh, this angry black woman is just like ripping us to shreds. And that definitely didn't happen. Like I was actually very pleased to know that most people were like, listen, we hear you and while we know you're right, like you just, you gotta let us start somewhere. And unfortunately, like we do have to start at the bare minimum because these people don't know. And it that frustrates me to my core to know that some people genuinely just don't get it. Mm -hmm. But then I look at the South, I look at Orange County, I look at all these historic places where like things just keep happening time and time again. And I'm like, these people don't know. They genuinely don't. They are raised by their grandparents and parents who know nothing but racism and their divide and they instill it in these people. And I don't know if they stay in their hometowns or if they go to places like a San they Francisco do. or they do. These communities just grow. But some of those people do try to leave and go see the rest of America to figure out like what this country actually looks like in a majority of places. And then they don't know how to handle it. Mm -hmm. They don't know. That's true. The, like, you know, then it's like we find people who have never had. I've met people who have like I've never had a black friend before. And I'm like shocked and I get a little upset and I'm like, I don't want to be your token black friend. But then I'm like, God dang it. Somebody's got to freaking do it. <laughs> so it's like, what do I do? I do like you as a person. I don't want to shade you against where you grew up. You, we don't have control as kids on where our parents, you know, decide yeah. to make home. You don't. So I bring it up because while I hate white guilt in the retrospect of not doing anything about it, I understand why white people have it. And I'm trying to understand why there is this wave of white people who seem to genuinely want to learn and educate and be told by black people and brown people why being silent, complacent, why ABCD is actually racist mm -hmm. and like 
go from there. I literally had a guy say, hey, I vote for affirmative action. You know, I voted for Obama. I thought I was doing my part. And I was like, but you weren't even doing like, okay, that's great that you agree, quote unquote, if that's what you want to call it, that everybody should have an equal opportunity to the workplace. But it's like, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, I do. Know you hear saying. things like that. And it's like hard to digest and swallow. But then I have to remind myself that this country has millions and millions of people and clearly diversity is a thing not found as much as people think I don't know it's just it's wild to me so that's why we wanted to touch base on white guilt kind of let you know you know a lot of people have it you're not alone if you have it but what the difference is is doing something about it you guys have to use this time to seriously educate yourselves because I promise you the civil rights movement is either going to go in a good way or a bad way and that's all kind of decided on November of who's sitting in that white house because I guarantee you if we reelect, the civil rights movement is going to turn into a civil war of sorts. hundred percent. I don't think I don't think the country's ready for that. I don't think we had even like an ounce of the grit that the people back then had to even strap up and take out the, the oppressors. We are weak, and we all hide <laughs> behind our screens, and y'all can't even yes. go out into the world like on a regular basis. And now everyone's like, I love COVID because I don't have to leave my house because I don't like interacting with people in person. You, y'all are not equipped for a literal war in the country. No. And, and that's why we're using this time to help guide and educate and steer you guys to the right resources and allow you guys to have the opportunity to listen to this podcast and go to your parents or your friends that you know need a little extra education and be like, let's talk about white guilt for a second and why mm -hmm. we feel it and what we need to do about it. So that's really the point of it. And to let you guys know, no matter what you hear from me and Maya, no matter how extreme or passionate it may be, we are definitely open to other perspectives and viewpoints. We're oh, not yeah. just going to like shut the door and just be like our way or the highway, which is why I wanted to highlight this moment for me on Twitter, because I definitely could have gone that route of you guys are wrong. I'm right. I don't want to hear it. This is crap. Like, go cry your white crocodile tears to <laughs> someone else because they have no place for me. But I didn't do that. I, I read every comment. I genuinely tried to do my best to engage in like positive dialogue to be like, you need to let me know why I'm supposed to just be okay with willfully ignorant people because I'm not. And, you know, it was it's an interesting I mean, I like I told my I have 20 plus notifications still. I'm kind of over it at this point. I don't, don't really think respond. I'll be responding anymore. Yeah. It's been 24 hours now. I think I've done my due diligence as the black woman on that thread who had something to say. Um, but yeah, we just wanted to touch base on white guilt because I don't even think a lot of white people know what it is. They don't know why it's talked about, why it's an actual term or phrase, why black people, brown people get mad at like, oh, I'm so sorry. I thought I was doing everything great. I voted for Obama. Like, okay. And what did you do after that? What else? Nothing. Yeah. You went back to your world that affronted you this white privilege and you lived your best life. So yeah. Okay. So I just had like one little thing I wanted to say about this, um, and you can, of course, keep talking after this if you feel that you need to. Um, but my biggest, like, issue with that video... So basically, like, Caitlin commented on the video as a direct message to me and was like, what do you think about this? And we were trying to have a dialogue on mm -hmm. Twitter, which this is why I always keep it to my DMs because yeah. this shit gets out of hand. So we were trying to talk about it and... The biggest, the thing that upset me the most was that we both have public accounts and you can very clearly see us like talking about this issue and like our thread underneath his video and people chose 
to go after Caitlyn specifically instead of like reading the thread and seeing like why you were saying what you said to me. So that was my first issue. My second issue with the video as a whole Mm -hmm. is that it's somebody opening a space for white people to talk about racism but it's in a way that like it makes racism seem like an individual mindset which has been like a consistent problem of like oh I did this specific thing or like I didn't know about this specific thing and what it doesn't address is like the systemic issues that we have and how you not knowing about any of this stuff to begin with is a problem with the law with the so-called justice system um with education which with Mm -hmm. literally all of the programs that are in place is like it just addresses like one person's feelings versus telling them here's the real reason why you don't know about this stuff and here's like the systemic issue of why black families maybe have single parents like it's not just from a slavery (laughs) yeah it's it's not like directly just from enslaving african people it's also like after they were enslaved all of these laws prevented them from thriving and Mm -hmm. being able to do anything like we progressing at all have stunted their entire like community growth and yet they're still here and like doing their thing so i mean against all odds they've made it but does that mean that like you're gonna continue to be uneducated so that was the issue that i had with that i just feel like he is gonna play this game of like constantly having to explain himself to people when Mm -hmm. he works in a huge industry and has a lot of influence and a lot of clout and he could really use his platform to like kind of go into the nfl and be like hey we have a systemic problem this entire league is built on bidding on black american players every Mm -hmm. year for the highest bid and we need to address that instead of like every single person that writes into him is like oh i feel bad because i did this like don't turn your white guilt into white saviorism basically right that's all and and i do and to echo that for the end of the topic that's why i was like all the people he retweets are like his espn colleagues Mm -hmm. i had so much dialogue and he was tagged in every single tweet he literally had to have gotten about 70 notifications from my tweets alone Mm -hmm. and he didn't show up once you know what i'm saying like you're seeing these notifications you're taking the time to retweet people who are giving you praise and yet you didn't jump in once at all to even like defend or explain yourself and like i know it's twitter but if you're gonna like what you're just gonna retweet your colleagues you're not gonna actually look at the conversations that you're creating that's some terry cruz shit man you know and, and that's why i'm also i'm like i don't even know really his experience like he touched bases on it a little bit you know he's nigerian first generation like his parents came here came to dallas he went to school in dallas went to ut at austin and played football he's been around white people his whole life mm-hmm. kind of a thing but you know at my point like maya kind of touched based on I said, people ask me like, well, what would you like the topics to be? And I was like, we need to ask white people. When did you realize your whiteness was a tool you could use to advance over other people? Because at some point, something had to happen where like you saw that you were put in a space and like given authority because of your whiteness. It doesn't matter if you came from some little town because as a 
like I see a lot of older white men commenting on his stuff and it's like as a white male weren't you ever in a space where even like the white females around you were like kind of pushed to the back burner because of your presence like did you not notice that and that's the thing is every black and brown person can give you the exact moment in their life that they realized being black or brown was a hindrance and not an advancement tool so white people need to own up to the moment that they realized when their privilege was a tool they could use for their own good at the demise of other people. Yeah. And I was like, are you protesting for us or with us? Why or why not? You know, mm-hmm. like I was asking real questions where it's like, why is it that it took 2020 and COVID-19 for you to realize that you have sat back for your entire life doing absolutely nothing for anyone else, but you yourself, your family, your immediate circle of people. Yeah. So you know, and that's just, you know, the the real things I think we should be discussing. And if he is going to use this platform and he does have a big platform, I mean, this is an ESPN analyst, like that job is super hard to get. Yeah. And I've seen him work his way up to this point. I know this is a big deal for him. So I do want him to call people out. I want to see him, you know, take this to ESPN because ESPN in itself has had their own issues. Jamel Hill, like we've had mm-hmm. so many things recently where you know, ESPN's already been looked at. I mean, The Ringer's going through it right now, and I love The Ringer as a publication. Everyone's being hold, held accountable during this time because we ain't got nothing else to do but hold each other accountable. I mean, so it's, it's about like, damn time. It's about time. So I'm sorry it makes people uncomfortable. I'm glad white people feel like they have this space to, like, watch these things and educate themselves. But I just, I told everybody, I was like, I just really hope you guys are doing more than watching a video and you're actually going out there. You're doing something about it. You're reading the books you need to. Mm -hmm. You're listening to the people who literally this is their job to educate people on the socioeconomic divide that's been going on in this country. And you realize what needs to be done to fix it. So Mm -hmm. that's our little spiel on white guilt. I know we dived into it for a little bit, but that's the whole point. We just want to, you know. We got to talk about it. We got to talk about it. (laughs) And so we did. So that Maya's actually, gonna dive in yeah. to her topic. That leads before in we perfectly ended. to what I want to talk about. Yes. Because social media activism is a huge thing right now. And like we were just saying, we need people to really do more than just like the bare minimum of having conversations with the black people that they find on the internet, basically. So I was just like, I did a little bit of research because I'm a nerd um, and I went on Pew Research <laughs> Center because I wanted to see like the statistics of who actually like takes part in social media and like using that as activism. Um, first, I want to ask you, do you like read or hear about news like every single day and do you get it mostly from social media? So I try to go directly to the website source of newspapers. Okay. I don't, I'm not subscribed to any actual news source. Mm-hmm. I know I should be to help the medium, but I'm not. But I do utilize Twitter and news pages, okay. Twitter pages, if that yeah. makes sense. Uh-huh. And then, you know, like I'm the person who's going to CNN, finding the tweet to click on the link so that I can share it with my parents and be like, look, this is what happened today. Okay. So that's kind of how I consume my news is I definitely use my phone to get it. Mm-hmm. But Twitter is probably the only space for news that I actually will go to the source and use for it. I'm not on Instagram. I'm not trying to find it on Snapchat. Like, it's just... Who still uses Snapchat? <laughs> oh, there's a lot of people who still actively use that stuff. And I'm like, Lord, have mercy. I would get rid of that app if a few people didn't use it. But anyway. But yeah, so that's... I do okay. utilize Twitter for some sources of news, yeah. Okay. 
I'm just wondering. So, um, Hasan Minhaj is a comedian. Yes. He is Indian, but he's Muslim, so mm-hmm. he's hilarious because he always super uses funny. That. Yeah. Um, and he just did an episode on Patriot Act where he talks about local newspapers and how they have the most accurate information about like what's really going on in your community. So I thought that was really interesting. Does um, not surprise me. Yeah, you should watch it. Because um, you know what? That doesn't surprise me because I just watched Athlete A on Netflix, which is definitely something everybody should watch. It's about the Larry Nasser gymnastics sex scandal. Okay. But the the people who broke the news was the Indianapolis Star. Yeah. You know, so and I was like, local newspapers aren't getting mm-hmm. enough credit on these investigative breaking news stories they of did, the. Um, who's the know? other guy that killed himself in jail? Epstein. They they were talking that about also that case because you know how they just put out that documentary on netflix right that was also broken by a local news source see they're the ones who aren't afraid to do the nitty-gritty because they're like what well, i mean what are you gonna you know what else because it's not new york times who's gonna send someone to do this because then they're gonna get threatened and they're gonna lose their ad money revenue and then mm-hmm. then what so that's true. i hear you yeah i hear you okay so i just wanted to uh to pose that question i'm just always interested um, okay, so Pew Research Center said 34% of Americans have taken part in a group on social media that shares interest in an issue or cause. Um, 32% says they've encouraged others to take action on an interview or on an issue that's important to them. Um, so I know that online social media communication can be really convenient for people that are mobility impaired, that are disabled, who don't have any other way of like participating in things. Um, but like, and like having access to the internet and social media really is a privilege that like a lot of people don't have. So I do see like the the good sides to social media activism. Um, but the, the issue that I have with it is that um, like, people can basically post something on the internet pretend like they support a political cause and like whatever you post on the internet is like this curated you know feed of content that you want to share to make you look as best as you possibly can right Right. it's like basically optimizing your personality Mm -hmm. for people who you don't even know pretty much (laughs) so it's just like what are you doing after that and i feel like a lot of people have taken the word activism and turned it into like a oh i post all these things and i follow these things and so therefore i'm an activist and i'm I'm doing my part yeah and i think the key word there is act right you are an actor congratulations (sighs) yeah and also just like what are what are you physically doing People that are mobility impaired can't go and protest. So you posting a protest to someone who can't actually physically go isn't helpful. But you attending a protest is helpful. Because seeing the numbers of people out in the street and then also being able to be there and physically like record instances of police brutality, which is super Mm -hmm. important... Like, those are things that you have to do. And right now is, like, a very weird time. I understand that, like, a lot of people are, you know, immunocompromised um, Mm -hmm. and, like, maybe can't, like, don't feel comfortable actually protesting. And so I totally get that. But there's still things that you can do. Um, And so I, I feel like 
by having like some hot take on something or trying to like be different and like refute somebody's point like on the internet you're not really gonna get anywhere and so I think that people who really need social media to communicate with people for these causes and kind of like you know organize on the internet I think that's fine but if you don't really need that like you really need to be like finding the people on the internet and then going to their organization and being like how can I help you how Mm -hmm. can I volunteer what can I donate because Mm -hmm. not everything is about monetary donations either it's a lot of like people need like canned goods or people need masks or people need gloves or you know there's just like a number of things that obviously like the government isn't doing shit because right you got what twelve hundred dollars maybe right in the past two months like maybe because some people still haven't gotten paid i know so yeah i just i i think social media can be a really good tool but i think that actually having conversations with people that you know is so much more useful because on the internet no one cares about your opinion if they don't know you like mm-hmm. you're not gonna somehow change the heart of somebody who lives 5000 miles away from you and has no right. idea who you are cuz why would they listen to you no so, i yeah. totally i hear you to chime in a little bit on that i noticed that when protests were happening in san jose and i had no idea they were happening mm. and like a solid like 3 to 4 day window passed and like the biggest protest of the cities went down and i had no idea and i was like clearly I'm following the wrong people yeah. and the wrong accounts because why was it that all these people I follow who were still living in San Jose, still living in our little South Bay area, no one had anything to say about it. I didn't see anything from people. Bruh, I, I followed everyone. <laughs> yeah. And I felt really upset with myself because I was like, damn, girl, you didn't even know. Like, I'm the number one person who should have been like out there super excited. Like this was my time to like be involved physically. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even know. And then immediately I got on my phone and I was like, where is the NAACP Silicon Valley chapter? Like I need to figure out where they are when they meet. I need to figure out what I need to do to become a member and just hear what they're working on. Because I was like, until I can find other organizations I don't know, that are more catered to something specific. Like the first step for me is looking for the local NAACP chapter. Yeah, you always should look for your local chapter of like, and even Black Lives Matter, like they've had some issues kind of like nationally, Mm -hmm. which I mean, I only follow like the local chapters, but I've heard that unless you follow the local chapters, they're kind of like all over the place. You're not going to see it. Yeah. Right. So yeah, so I understand your point too of, you know, it takes more than just a few posts to act like you're actually in the thick of things like that goes back to what we said you guys it's like action is kind of everything and like Maya said if you're not talking to people about these things and you're not allowing your like community of people in your circle to just dive into this yeah it's gonna go on longer than necessary because like we can't you know I feel like we're just like at a turtle's pace of like educating people at this point in regards to what's actually going on yeah I mean real change like obviously doesn't happen overnight um but I do notice that the few actual people who I physically know Mm -hmm. um and follow on social media have kind of like the posting has dwindled down a little bit Mm -hmm. um and there's also like a really huge thing happening in Hawaii where they're trying to I haven't read up on it completely but you know, they're always doing some trifling shit to the indigenous people in yeah. Hawaii because, you know, that was very much illegally taken. Um, 
And so I've been seeing people post about that, but I feel like with social media, there's so much access to everything. Like it's an overload of information, right? Don't you feel mm-hmm. overwhelmed like every time you go on social media? Always. So I just think that people really need to realize like what causes they really care about because regardless of like what people you want to focus on there's certain causes that like you can dedicate to and you're still touching the people that you care about like for example um i really like to elevate indigenous voices and black Mm -hmm. voices because i just don't think that those two together is seen enough and that's really Mm -hmm. really important like those are the two people who founded this whole country built everything like everything was indigenous land before they've both been fighting alongside each other and no one understands their struggles like each other so i do my best to kind of like if i am posting about um black movements black liberation whatever i'm also posting equally about like indigenous sovereignty because it's like those two things go hand in hand yeah um but i also am very like i'm a freaking tree hugger so i'm like very passionate about like sustainability and the environment and i know that like all like i can still be passionate about like that one thing while like directly helping those two communities that i really want to help no very true yeah so like pick pick a struggle because um black indigenous people of color have lots of them like the whole system is set up against us there's so many issues that need to be handled so pick one thing and educate yourself on that and if you're gonna use social media do it the right way and make sure that that's not the only thing that you're using as a tool it's just one tool in like a toolbox the size of the house in the grand scheme of things right and that's why you know i've seen a a small number of people where um like i have a couple co-workers from my bar who like take it upon themselves to advocate like you are black and brown and you have the right to bear arms. You need to go get your gun and go get, you know, get your assault rifles just like everybody else can because, wow. you know, we need to have them. And then, you know, five minutes later, it's, you know, someone's wife who's Latina who's like, I'm going to let you guys know about all these Mexican and Latina causes going on that no one's talking about. She's like, Black Lives Matter and like Brown Lives Matter. And she's taking it upon herself to literally every day, she's like, this is what's going on, this kid in a cage, this sickness, like mm-hmm. all of these things that's happening at the border. And I'm just so proud when I see people who are like, we have, just like you said, there's so many things to talk about, yeah. choose a topic and like run with it. And like for me personally, like I know I haven't dedicated myself to a single like cause specifically. For me mainly, I'm just about black life and injustice in general because I'm yeah. just fed up of seeing my people like constantly being held back when that shouldn't be the case anyways. Mm-hmm. Like, I've just been around a lot of really dumb white people in my life, and I just find it really wild that so many people get to advance and progress and have opportunity just because just of because position. And yeah, just like, who you are, whatever. Like, I'm just over it. I need to see more people who look like me in all of these spaces. And I'm yeah. sick and tired of seeing us only as, like, the receptionist people or, you know, just, like, these low entry-level places instead of like and the janitors who are super important but don't get paid shit god if i see one more hispanic latina person cleaning something for me i'm gonna lose my shit because honestly like and then on top of that you don't even get to know the people cleaning up after you like how many of you could say before you started working from home that you knew the name of the janitor cleaning your buildings you don't granted they clean them when you're not there at work but like you really never saw a cleaning person and we're just like hey 
I'm so and so nice to meet you. What's your name? Mm-hmm. Like that goes a long way. Or like, did that not out of white guilt, but out of genuine like wanting to know somebody right. who works in your space? Just right. Just as that interaction, like here every day when they have the lady come to clean, I don't know her name. She won't tell me. I have. I'm like. I'm like trying to get to that point with her where I just say hi every day just to the point where she's comfortable enough. Right. And it's just like. But still, I know it means a lot when she sees my face and she knows she's going to get a smile and a high from me. Like, she doesn't really want to engage. That's like, that's not what she's here for. She's like, I'm here to kind of clean and do my work, but I appreciate the fact you're taking five seconds out of your day. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I just don't. Social media, like you said, like there's so many other tools to use. Like I'm kind of proud of seeing how many people are circulating books. Like, like you said, so much literature has been lost in the shuffle and like pushed to the back of the shelves Mm -hmm. because it's not some famous white author who wrote it. Like, the only Black book you need to read is not Becoming by Michelle Obama. Like, while that's a great story and everyone needs to know it, yes. Like, there is other stuff out there you need to be knowledgeable about. And, like, that's the most fun journey, I think, for people need to go on. Find out, like you said, these other options you can use besides just what's on your phone or your laptop. Like, there's just so many other things you can do. Even, like you Mm -hmm. said, with newspapers. Like, print is a dying medium. Why are magazines flourishing and newspapers are dying? Because they're online. why are we so concerned with what the Kardashians are doing when oh. there's real shit going on? And I'm a person who's been like, I've definitely been someone wrapped up in the Kardashians life where I'm like, I gotta know everything. And then I realized how fucking stupid that was. <laughs> and then I needed to like reel it in. Let me get wrapped and not up in care. my own life. Literally like, wow. I just, I don't know. And it's okay for that. Like I still read daily mail in the morning. That's like my little thing I give myself for celebrity gossip. And then I'm like, all right, I'm done. I'm going to the real stuff. It's like, I have that one 10 minute window and then we're back to reality. Yeah. And I, I think people need to realize that, especially like you said, with social media, there's Mm -hmm. so many other things you could use it for and advocate with on it. And it's not hard. Like you said, choose a topic, ride or die for it. Educate your people. Yeah. Because we can't just have the Mayas of the world, like, giving you information. And then who else is hopping on the train? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. Um, I don't know if you follow No Name, but No Name is, like, a rapper who basically quit rapping because she was like, I am not performing in front of white people anymore. Right. And she... I saw that when it happened, but I didn't follow until recently because oh, of this J. Yeah. Cole fiasco mm. that just went down. And I had to educate myself because Crystal was like, ooh, I got some opinions. So I followed <laughs> so I could understand. I was like, okay, what is going on? So yeah. keep going, keep going. Tell yeah. me. Um, I've been following No Name for like years and okay. I'm obsessed with her. And she is a huge advocate for abolition, which yes. I 100% agree with. Um, And maybe one day we'll like go more in depth of abolition and really how some. it would work. Yeah. Because a lot of people, um, and the police do this on purpose, but um, basically people don't give it the time to come into fruition and they think like oh we're gonna defund this one thing but we haven't figured out how to put that funding elsewhere and so then the whole system fails but basically like no name um recently has been talking about celebrities Mm -hmm. and how celebrities should no longer exist and that we shouldn't idolize human beings which i agree with um because everyone is human like people Mm -hmm. are not perfect you don't know these people why are you obsessed with celebrity culture right like they've also stolen everything from other people facts like they're not regular people um so i i I just think that's very interesting um and i am curious to see how people 
will like change their views on celebrities in that aspect if you know some of these things that we're fighting for currently actually are able to like thrive have did you see the two little viral videos that celebrities thought were so genius to put together the first one was the imagine one that gal gadot leaded with Okay, so there's the Imagine where they're singing Imagine by John Lennon. And mm-hmm. this was when COVID and like sheltering in place where like everything was shut down. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know, 30 actors or singers singing Imagine to you, trying to make you feel better. But the kicker was like everyone was in their mansions and like poolside and like trying to tell you, hang in there, folks. It'll be fine. And everyone's like, yeah, great. Yeah, I your- live in a one bedroom apartment and I'm by right? myself going crazy. Right. And so that got demolished on Twitter because people were like, you guys are so tone deaf. Like, no, you completely missed the point. Yeah. Then with Black Lives Matter being at the forefront of things recently, the NAACP messed up and commissioned their own video. And it was a bunch of celebrities being like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for not speaking out when I needed to. I'm sorry for missing the moment when it happened in front of me, for not pulling out my phone recording, for not coming to your aid. And it's in black and white. It's these actors who you're just like, are you acting right now or are you being genuine? Because it feels like, right. And so this, oh, I think it was Prentice from Insecure. I think he was like- Prentice Penny? Yes, I think he was like, what role are they auditioning for? I'm very confused (laughs) at like, what is happening here? Sorry, you can't be on to Insecure. God, and it's like- (laughs) And it's just the funny, and it was like these moments where it's like they thought this was what was gonna make people feel better right now. Like we're sheltering in place and you know, like, and then it's like, you can't even use social media for good. Like you're completely just missing the point of like what you could utilize this platform from. And so I say that because a couple of, I read this really great article on The Ringer about celebrity culture and how it's completely changed because of sheltering in place. Like we don't really care as much as we used to because we're not out and about living our best life. You know, what we think is our version of our best life and they can't either. So we're on the same level finally. Like celebrities can't do the same things that they used to, you know, you're seeing more movement now. I'm starting to Mm -hmm. see pictures of Bella Hadid and Hailey Bieber going off somewhere. I'm like, okay, whatever, great. They're vacationing or working. I don't give a damn, but it's like, they're stuck like us. So they are now back on our level and the the curtains opened and no one cares anymore. It's like, you got to do the same delivery service I do because you can't go anywhere kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. And how I think leaving sheltering in place, I don't know if we're going to idolize them like we used to. I genuinely think gossip sites and like celebrity entities are shaking because they're like, crap, they don't care. Like people aren't on our Instagram, you know, looking for these thirst traps me (laughs) right because you're like great we can focus on the real things at hand instead of celebrities like i will never forget when i told my mom i bought the kardashians apps when they first came out and she was like they don't need any of your freaking money and i was like you are right and how like i was like i don't need to buy a lip kit from kylie i can go buy it from someone else because she don't need my money like Mm -hmm. and she really didn't because she still did everything she did but i do think we are not going to be idolizing these people anymore. I do think a shift in society pop culturally is happening Mm -hmm. because it's like, they're missing the point. First of all, half of them are tone deaf. The other half are actually advocating for the right things. Like 
I see the Demi Lovatos who are like, I'm not letting up. I'm gonna post about black lives one day and then LGBTQ plus the next. And then I'm gonna switch it back and forth. And I don't care how annoyed you get. Here's a picture of me kissing my boyfriend. That's your break <laughs> right back to it. And I'm like, I appreciate like people hate but Ariana Grande. Also but because she's like been through the ringer as a celebrity. She has, she has. And Ariana Grande's been posting every day. She was like, listen, I don't care. You ain't getting no music. I'm not talking about music. Like there's a bigger issue at hand. She's like, people are hurting. There's stuff going on and we need to fix this crap. And I was like, what did she do? She sent a food truck to the Kentucky voters because we all know Kentucky had a huge issue in that county with the one voting station. And so she was like, I'm just going to send y'all some free food. Y'all need to eat while you wait in line. Here's some water and drinks, like nourish up because you're going to be there for a while. And I'm like, why did only one celebrity think to do that? Out of all the celebrities and all the money you guys have, one person of the entertainment world thought to do something like that? What were the rest of you doing? Like you posted about it, sure, but no one thought to get someone they don't in know there. How to do anything outside of posting. Right. And it's like like Jamie Foxx went to Minnesota and was like, Yeah, I'm taking my private plane to Minnesota with my people, but I'm gonna be here and march with you and I'm gonna protest with you and I'm gonna see firsthand what the hell's going on mm -hmm. here. Cause he's like me sitting at home isn't doing anything helping. And I'm like, where's the rest of them? Like, yeah. it's frustrating to know that people use, like you said, social media in that light. It's like, you literally are just using it for your image and your aesthetic, like you said earlier. Like, and we they're have just bigger doing, things to like, talk about. They're just doing it to basically, it ties right into white guilt. It's like, oh, I feel guilty that mm -hmm. I didn't know about this. So now I'm going to post so that, like, I don't look as like, guilty I don't care. as I feel. Mm-hmm. Because we keep calling them out. Yeah. We're like, we see you guys not posting. So then people post again. And then I'm like, okay, Why what do are I you have doing? to bully you into posting? First right. of all, we shouldn't be bullying at all. But I'm going to bully you if you're racist. Because this is important, damn it. And we need you to be on this train. Because we can't even get anywhere without you guys on our side anyway. That's 100%. the crappy part about it. Yeah. We need allies in order to get anything substantial to actually happen. Mm -hmm. If white people didn't show up in L.A., yelling at the LAPD for the last month, I really don't think they would have listened. Mm -mm. I think they would have looked at every Mexican, Latina, Hispanic, black face and been like, all right, thank you for your opinion. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Um, I also, so I'm going to, I'm going to share it like in, I think you can like add notes on podcasts and stuff, but there's um, a Sikh coalition, um, which is basically like a nonprofit. Okay. Um, and also, I've been reading up on Sikhism because I just, like, read about different religions um, yeah. in my search for enlightenment, right? Um, and Sikhism is very, like, captivating to me. But anyway, okay. so there's this Sikh coalition, and they were talking about social media activism, and they actually have, like, a little lesson. So nice. I'm going to share that so that people can kind of, like, read these articles um, yes. and discuss these questions. But one thing that they say is there's this concept called slacktivism. So it says refers to actions performed via the internet in support of a political or social cause, but regarded as requiring little time or involvement, such as signing an online petition or joining a campaign group on a social media website. And I've been seeing a lot of posts of people like, you know, um, like if people were just signing petitions during like World War II, <laughs> Hitler wouldn't have been stopped. Like, a petition, yeah, in certain places, um, some things do get passed from the pressure of petitions, right? Um, I just saw something that passed in somewhere in the South where they had mm -hmm. like 2 million signatures on the petition. That's fine. But when we talk about like 
actively going out somewhere when you are going and like protesting outside of the mayor's house every single day and he starts to feel like oh maybe my um like semblance or idea of what i think is safety is now threatened the same way people of color safety is threatened every day mm-hmm. maybe now like it puts things in, into perspective for this person so no, like actually so physically going and doing things is super important because you're you're gonna make yourself feel better yeah by like posting something and people are like oh thank god like whatever praising you but like that's the minimal effort that you can put into something so just do better anytime someone responded to me and was like i'm signing every petition i can and you know i'm sharing every resource that comes my way i always responded that's a great start can't (laughs) wait to see what else you do yeah Because I appreciate you advocating, you know, to get people out of jail who can't, you know, pay for bonds and you're donating. That's that's really Mm -hmm. great. But there's also like if you like you said, if you're physically able and capable, you have the immune system to, you know, go out with a mask and socially distance and protest and make someone uncomfortable so that the greater whole good can benefit from that. Mm -hmm. We have to start doing that like we just we really do yeah i mean or even just like it's it's something as simple as like you go and buy snacks and give it to protesters because they don't have the money to do it right like it's not just about donating to like these big funds and things like that it's like little things that you can do every day or like driving people to a protest if you don't feel comfortable actually attending just yeah. be like hey i'm gonna be your transportation because maybe they don't have transportation at all yeah. And, like, you have the privilege of having a car. Like, it's just little things that you have to realize you can do. And then, like, where you buy from, obviously. Like, where are you getting your groceries from? Where are you buying, like, your skincare products from? Your hair products from? Like, all of these little things that you can do make a lot more impact than you posting something on the internet. And also, one quick thing I want to say, too, is I'm so sick of seeing people making memes out of Breonna Taylor's death. Like, I just keep on seeing like i just saw something today where it was like oh good house plants to have for a first timer and it had like a little it was like a little graphic and it was different house plants and under each of them it says like arrest the cops that killed Brianna oh Taylor. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. or i saw something last week where it was like oh rihanna like got a new tattoo and it's like on her butt and it's like a picture of her butt and you're supposed to like swipe to zoom into it and then it says like arrest the cops that killed Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of those. Um the most popular one seems to be the horoscope ones where underneath it says like arrest the cops that killed Brianna Taylor. Mm-hmm. Um or on Twitter, I don't know if you've seen this trend where people are like, "Oh my gosh, there's a new Kylie Jenner sex tape." And then you click on it and it's like all the petitions to sign. Yeah. And yeah, it's so I hear I hear what you're saying for sure. It's like you could just get to the point with a different graphic instead of resulting in something that I mean, and I but I I do think the point of that is to like showcase people like you're more concerned about reading about your horoscope than like Mm -hmm. doing what it takes to get these people arrested. I'd like to think that's kind of the intent behind it. I like that perspective. But that could be me being very naive. (laughs) Right. But that's also, as I was saying, I could be very naive. You know, I like to see the good in everything when I can. So that could also be me just like. That's not a bad quality. In some cases, you know, there's time and a place. But yeah, I mean, I hear you, though, because it's like we shouldn't have to do these things for it to 
be you know what i'm saying exactly i should have to get your attention this way essentially mm-hmm. is like the point we're trying to make of like i appreciate the people that are being creative and being like i know this is how i can get people to start paying attention again but yeah. the people who keep on like being tricked by that basically i don't understand your logic like you uh, 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 i'm like that video where they're like uh can i am i uh, that's how uh, i feel i'm just like i don't understand oh my goodness well thank you guys for being with us and listening to us talk about these topics maya's gonna post resources for you guys yeah. And definitely engage with us. We want to hear your viewpoints, especially if you've never heard about white guilt before, especially if you have listened to Maya's definitions and you realize you are definitely someone engaging in slacktivism. <laughs> like, if you guys want to ask, you know, what more could be done, if you're still a little confused, you still really don't know what to do, I think we'll definitely be here, be able to, like, answer what we can, help you guys out. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just important to, you know, hear these things and engage in conversation. Like, please don't just listen and go back to whatever it is you were doing before. You know, take this with you, have conversations, start conversations, share with people. Yeah. You know, we want we want this to be... This is the time people have to talk about this stuff because, like we said, without your guys' help and allyship, truly, we can't accomplish the bigger picture of things because we need people like you guys to help us out. Yeah, um, I literally tweeted about this when I was upset over um, people attacking on Twitter. And I was like, where are the white allies? Because it's not our job to continue coddling white people and educating them. Like, at some point, that effort has to go back into our community. So, like, what I'm focusing on is actually helping my community rather than like trying to educate people who don't care Mm -hmm. so like if you really want to be a white ally um go do that work yourself because i'm tired of calling you people like i'm done with it um but we will um we'll post on social media when we have our socials up because by the time this comes out we likely will have that definitely so definitely share our content if you feel like this is helpful and if you feel like this could be a resource for people to maybe get a different perspective and yeah thanks for listening yeah